Tampa. Tampa. Bucks. Josh Freeman. Vincent Jackson. Playboard back. Bowers healthy. Now that being said, George Costanza. Mr. Steve White. Thank you. See, now that's some funny shit. Right? It's interesting. The hell was I? Impartial as I'd like to think I am. Here's the thing. So I give zero fucks. Here's the thing. I don't care. Right? Because I give myself credit for being a relatively smart dude. At any rate, the only reason he should go in the game is if Josh is wheeled off on a fucking stretcher. Doug Martin, Mark Barron, Sean Golson, Levante David, with Revis. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are live and back after a long hiatus here on What the Buck. I am, as always, old school. Uh, it is good to be back. Uh, coming back here was not something I wanted to do on my own, and so I called some friends, and then I called other people that I owed things to, and they decided they would join me, which is great. <laughs> um, but I did have a number of requests uh, with the historic setup for this Super Bowl that if we were able to make it into the Super Bowl to bring back the podcast for one last hurrah. And so that's what this is. I figured what better way to do a last hurrah to have some of the best folks that I've ever worked with uh, to cover the Bucks uh, on the thing, and 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 these folks actually said yes, which is amazing. So I'm going to kick things out uh, off with a little bit of an intro uh, on names and let them talk a little bit about who they are. I'm going to do a couple of notes, and we're going to jump right into this roundtable format. If you're watching this on YouTube, realize you're about 10 seconds behind us, depending on your link speed. If you're one of uh, Mark's relatives, you're on a dial-up, so it's going to be closer to a minute and a half. So uh, the best way to interact with this show tonight is to actually tweet at what the buck, and I will be watching my phone for those questions and get those covered. So with me in Zoom or on YouTube, we have, and I'm not sure what sequence they are, I have Joe Bustle, NFLosophy. He was the nameless, faceless, masquerading information source for years, and then he became publicly known, I don't know, a decade ago, because everything is a decade old to me now. Uh, I've got Trevor Sykema of the Draft Network, formerly of Pewter Report. Uh, once he left, everything in Tampa got better. Uh, so we want to thank <laughs> Alyssa for dragging him out of town and taking the shroud of misery off of our glorious city. We've got Buck's Brief Podcast, Chris Fisher in the house, uh, who had a podcast along with me quite a while back, then started an incredibly popular podcast on beer, which is a topic that never loses. And he's back with us tonight. And then Mark Cook. From the Pew Report, he is, I think, still the editor-in-chief. It still weirds me out that that title is editor-in-chief. It has always made me feel a little bit uncomfortable because I don't know who the chief is. But this is our roundtable tonight. Um, and as we get through here, I'm going to start actually in my frame. It's uh, Joe's first. Joe, tell the folks out there listening a little bit more because some people, believe it or not, may not know who you are. You have like 33,000 Twitter followers. I think only Trevor can compete with you. But tell them who you are and, and why you're here. Uh, so Joe Bustle, as he said, uh, used to work for the Bucks a long, long time ago in a past life, um, you know, ended up on Twitter after it was all said and done because I wanted to talk Bucks with everybody. It turned out to be uh, a pretty cool thing. Um, but, uh, I don't, I'm not as fancy and as professional as Trev is, but, um, you know, 
I appreciate you guys having me on. I think this is going to be fun. Excellent. Well, speaking of Trevor, Trevor, we'll go to Trevor next, who has the best video set up of anyone in this uh, room. Apparently, thanks to our friends over at Loose Cannons. Trevor, let us know a little bit about you and why uh, we need you to never come back to Tampa. Yeah, big shout out to um, Christian Stank and Sammer for the setup. They, they were the ones who uh, got my video game going well. Also, uh, before we move on, I just wanted to let Joe know, because I don't think I've ever told him this before. I thought you have and still think you have one of the coolest Twitter handles like in the world. Like that was one of the main reasons. Like when you started talking butts, buck stuff, I was like, NF philosophy. I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is peak. Like this is where I'm going to get all my information from. And so, yeah, I just, I don't think I've ever uh, told you that before. So I figured what better place. Um, no, it 100% is Twitter handle goes a lot into it. And that's why I'm still Tampa Bay trade. Cause I like the identity there. Obviously a lot of people know me from my time working at Peter report um mark certainly knows me there well because he tried to keep me in line for three years and it was probably his full-time job just to do that that was probably his title for three straight years but um (laughs) born born and raised just south of tampa so uh been all about tampa sports my whole life and what do you know the first time in my life and where i don't live anywhere in the state of florida because i live in charlotte north carolina now the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup. The Tampa Bay Rays make it to the World Series. And now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl. So you all are welcome for me leaving the state. Well, thank you. It's, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, I love having you around, but I, I like winning more. So I'd rather come <laughs> visit you in Charlotte and send pictures of, of success because Charlotte's not known for success. So um, you can share in the success that we have down here. It looks like Fisher is redecorating his room over there. I don't know if he's ready to, to say hello to everybody. You good? I'm good. I, I, yeah, I was just, the, the, the laptop's going to die eventually, so I would make sure I had my charger. It's all good. I haven't done this in a while. Give me a break. <laughs> well, tell people about what you've been doing, man. It's been a while. You dropped off the scene a little bit before me. You know, we had joked around or talked a little bit. I think we were drunk a couple of times. We did it about leaving at the same time. as Always. As fate, as fate would have it, that would have probably been a better call if I had done that, but... But you did, and yeah. you went off and did cool shit. Tell people what you've been doing and, and what's going on now. Yeah, I had a podcast. It was called Bucks Brief Podcast. Uh, it was the Bucks Briefing before John Ledger, John Ledger, Ledger's Bucks Briefing. Wow, um, did he steal that from you? Did he <laughs> no, steal that from you? He didn't steal it from me. Oh, I'm going I like John. I'm going after, I'm going after I like Pewter John. Report Co-opted. and everything they stand for. <laughs> Usually... Well, usually at this time of year, I'm arguing with Scott Reynolds about uh, the Bucks should not be drafting a running back in the top 15. But I'm glad that I don't have to do that this year. We can actually talk right. about uh, playoffs and, and a Super Bowl. But yeah, I uh, I had the podcast for a while. Uh, it became too much work because I am addicted to analysis and data and uh, a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to the work that I put into it. And it became too much to do. And it was more fun drinking with my friends on a different podcast that I started up and I fired that up for five and a half years. And I just shut that down. So I am now officially fully retired from the podcast game uh, for the first time in, uh, in a long time. So I'm enjoying my life and uh, hosting some gigs around at breweries and stuff and just having fun, man. And I'm, I'm happy to be here. I was super excited that you were coming back and doing one more broadcast. I don't want to say well, the last, but we'll see. Well, it's, it's good to have you back. We always have to have at least one idiot fan as you have been affectionately titled by more than Hashtag. one person on Twitter. Um, and so I hate it's good. Jason Light. Absolutely. You hate him. You, you, you would make faces out of him if you had a chance to. So been last trying to but not, run him out of town for years. <laughs> last but not least, we have my buddy Cookie down in the bottom frame. 
Mark, I don't think anyone really needs to know more about who you are, but I want them to know who you think you are because because you, you mean a lot to me and you mean a lot to the Tampa Bay area, I think. Well, I appreciate that, Derek. I don't know that that's true. Um, you have a lot more affection for me than most people, but that's okay. I appreciate everybody that follows pewterreport.com, of course. Um, just a tremendous year. Thank you, Tom Brady. Thank you, Bruce Arians. Thank you, Rob Gronkowski. Thank you, Jason Light. Uh, business has been through the roof. Now, COVID can go F itself because yeah. uh, while our web traffic is through the roof, as, as Trevor probably knows, is, is their business model, it's tough. I mean, there's not a lot, you know, a lot of the businesses that support pewterreport.com were businesses that, that were affected by COVID, unfortunately, and, and the shutdowns that happened earlier this year. So, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, this vaccine gets out. People are, are going to take it. Let's not make this a political show, but whatever we got to do to get back to normal where people can get out and about and we don't have to worry about shutdowns and things like that when we get back to normal because, uh, you know, I it's, it's crazy because I really think, and we actually have had people calling us to advertise again for the first time in the 10 years that I've been doing this, but um, it's I think it would have been just through the roof, man. I think the phone would have been ringing off the hook if if COVID wouldn't have hit. But anyway, we're going to we're surviving uh, and uh, managing and I'm surviving and managing. And uh, I'm, I'm excited that you're doing this again, Derek. It's your your voice that's been missed and uh, truthfully needed. But I totally get why you guys bow out, because I mean, the amount of time it takes, people think you just flip on a mic and and, and you talk. Um is a lot of work that goes in into these podcasts, whether you're hosting solo, whether you have, you know, three people like we do at Pew Report from time to time on. Uh, it does take a lot of work and a lot of preparation. So, uh, and if you're, if it's not putting food on your table, it's taking away time from the kids. And uh, as a dad of a 20 year old, there's a lot of things I would do differently going back in time. But the number one thing I would do would uh, uh, milk every second that you have with those little kids. So, Chris and, and, and Derek, you, you're doing the absolute right thing. And, and both of you guys are always welcome on the Pewter Report podcast. We do four week now. And we're going to continue that throughout the all season once the season ends next Sunday after the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. And um, so you guys are always welcome. If you, if you, if you get that itch and you get that need, you're always welcome to join us. Appreciate I appreciate that. I, I just want to say real quick, when, when Mark says that, uh, you know, people think that we just, you know, turn the mic on and talk football and there's a lot more that goes into it. I don't know. I remember one or two podcasts late in the cutter era where uh, we were basically at this point, just one. No. Just, <laughs> The, the Peter Report podcast when Trevor was around, we it literally was. It, there would be times to be five minutes before we were going to do it. We'd be like, "Who's going to be on today?" Scott's like, "No, nah, I'm not in." Trevor, you going to stay? Well, okay, I can stick around for a little while. Let's grab Greg Almond, or you know, if not, yeah, no, we a lot of times we just flip the mic on for that one. But um, things have changed, you know, because yeah, it's people actually it's care. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, it's, it's great. Different it's time, great. man. Well, but you're right. Yeah. We we used to have a podcast uh, when we did our podcast. It was uh, there wasn't a lot of preparation that used to go in the old Peter Report podcast. And sometimes those were the most fun ones, too. But anyway, people like their their information and their facts. Well, the community has grown tremendously. Right. As the gray beard amongst us with regards to podcasts, you know, when I was doing this and we had shit, you know, strung up with bread ties to make it work. Um, I still can't believe anyone gave a shit. I still can't believe people give a shit now in some ways uh, from my perspective. But you know, the technology's gotten better. People have become more uh, informed about how they can get access to this information, which is great. And that's, that's driven the bar higher. Um, and it's funny, you guys remember, I remember when Trace, Trevor started writing his stuff and going into the, the analysis, I was like, ah, this is what I think everyone needs. And one of the reasons why I quit is because 
while everyone needs it, not everyone gives a shit about it. They want to continue to say things like, you know, the Tampa two was the downfall of all defense and right. They, it, it's the level of stupid is so high and, and I'm an asshole and we'll say that, right. It's, it's willful ignorance, which makes it stupid. Um, if you're going to pontificate and not have the data, then that makes you a stupid fan. Um, but that's okay. You have a right to be a stupid fan. Uh, and I just didn't want to do any more content for you. So this night is a round table and these are fun. And I want to say a couple of things before we get things kicked off. I see people are already tweeting at us, which is great. We already had a question about the, the Raptors and whether they're going to be able to pull the quartet. And it would actually be the quintet. Cause I don't think anyone's mentioned the rowdies. I think won their championship oh, yeah. as well. Um, so let's not leave the rowdies out. Cause they are a kick in the grass. If you all recall. Uh, but mm. um, the community that's evolved, not just in, podcasting and all of the other implements, video podcasts. I mean, the technology has gone crazy, which is great from professional folks, the bucks and their social media department has gotten eons better, right? The, the big players in the, in the networks around here, the pewter reports who I consider on that same par as the, as the main networks in the area. And then the independents, I think all the independents have done a great job. Uh, COVID uh, is, is also, you know, kicking the shit out of things like uh, getting together as Mark pointed out um, so much of what, this sport did for us was brought us together. It brought people together who otherwise probably wouldn't have known each other. Cheryl uh, spent for those of you who remember uh, the, what the buck crew used to say, if it weren't for football and porn, half of us never would have met each other. Like we'd have nothing to talk about. And so what's funny is you think about that and you're like, Holy shit. Like there are people who wear total walks, different walks of life across 31 other cities that I would never have met. Our tailgate is still going. Bucks life media took it over. They've been doing the best they can on social uh, distancing and trying to be you know, responsible uh, and the, the proceeds are going to our charity, What the Buck Really Matters. One quick announcement. There is a watch party Sunday. It was ticketed only. It is sold out. It is not open like it usually is because we just can't do, you know, unchecked volume, folks. I'm sorry. I don't have any more detail. I haven't been running that for a number of years, but I know a lot of people are asking me about it. So um, with that said, um, I'm going to see, I'm going to hop over in the chat room here and see if the actual YouTube chat room is on because someone is asking if it is. Um, but I want to kick the questions off in this roundtable. And the roundtable format is uh, informal. Everyone get in here. I think everyone's got drinks with them except for Cook. Um, we were showing our drinks earlier. Um, maybe Cook does. I think he had a bottle of water. Yeah. So he's got some Publix water. That's on brand. Strong. Um, Strong. So we'll be talking about what our drinks are. The first question is, who is under the most pressure in this Super Bowl? Tampa Bay or Kansas City? And I'm happy for whoever wants to jump in that first while I look at the tech on the back end. Oh, Trevor, go ahead. I guess it's like, who's under the most pressure? I guess it's Kansas city. I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I I never even, I never even thought of it like this. Obviously the bucks go all in to get Tom Brady, but I feel like you almost have to look at what's happened in the past year for the Buccaneers and, know that there were a lot of like stars aligning kind of out of nowhere, even for them to get to this point. It's, it's a lot more work than just signing Brady and boom, you're in a Super Bowl. as, as, as much as a lot of people like to think that that's the case, there's a lot goes in it. There was the COVID season, all this kinds of stuff. And I, I, I would think that the Buccaneers aren't necessarily under pressure. That's not to say that they wouldn't want to win it as much as anybody else, but I, I don't know if they're under pressure. Now the chiefs, given what they currently have, like one of the best, what people are saying is the best offenses all, of all time. It's not, you know, whether they'll win a championship, it's how many rings that they will get. I feel like there's a little bit of pressure or a lot more pressure for the Kansas city chiefs to repeat and almost start this 
Jordan kind of dynasty, Patriots kind of dynasty, you know, like LeBron's kind of dynasty, like all this kinds of stuff. We, we talk about Patrick Mahomes in the same light. And so for a guy who has that kind of legacy, I feel like this Super Bowl brings him more pressure than it does for Tampa Bay. I'd be very willing to hear what you guys say about it though. I'm not sure. Yeah. I know. I, I, it's, it, go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to, I was going to agree with you. I think that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, you know, people are expecting, I mean, they're, they're the favorite team. They, they expect them to win. I've always kind of felt this year and, and I've been proven wrong really though, but I really felt earlier in the year that the Buccaneers were playing with house money this year, whatever they did, if they improved on seven and nine, they got to the playoffs, you know, it was about next year, having a full year with, with, right. with this offense and an off season and things like that. I mean, they, let's, let's remember I me. Mean, they started Winfield jr. Rookie in the secondary. And I thought that was a terrible idea before the season started. Oh, you're gonna throw Tristan Wirfs out there. Are you kidding me? You got to play Joe Hagan there some and, 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 you know, platoon these guys. And, and I've just been completely wrong about that. So, um, you know, while I thought it was kind of a house money situation, I still think that there's a little bit more pressure on Kansas city because I think the majority of people, especially, casual football fans or expecting the chiefs to win and to win pretty handily. But I also expected, you know, uh, green Bay to, to probably win. I picked the Buccaneers to win, but I didn't feel hundred percent comfortable. Same thing with the, with the new Orleans game while I picked them to win uh, at no point did I ever go to bed that week saying, Oh yeah, Tampa Bay's definitely got this game. So um, I, I think the pressure is certainly on the reigning champions. Yeah. Fish, I, you I were waiting in. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, and, and I don't know how to define it as actual pressure. And I agree. I think Mike, uh, Mark was going in this direction, too, is that I had no expectations this year for Tampa Bay that they would be in this position with with a new quarterback coming in, regardless if he's the goat or not. We know what happened with the offseason and, and with COVID and how that impacted everything. And the team was seven and five at one point. Right. <laughs> and they just have gone on a tear. Right. And they haven't lost since that Chiefs game. And that was by three points. So I had no expectations that this team was going to be where they where they are. Ten wins, 11 wins, get in, win one or two games in the playoffs. You know, you lose in the NFC Championship, no big deal. From a pressure standpoint, though, so let me look at it this way. Patrick Mahomes, who I think is the best quarterback in the league right now. Uh, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in the NFL in NFL history. But the window for the Bucs is much shorter, in my opinion, than it is for Kansas city, Kansas city, I think, you know, they've got a, they've got a roster set up and they can continue when you have the best quarterback in the NFL and he's young and he can continue to play. Um, you have an advantage that you can get back in the situation. I do not know if the bucks will be in this situation next year. So from a pressure standpoint, I think just cause the window uh, is, is closing more rapidly for Tampa, but I, but it's not pressure, right? Cause I don't think they believe that they could be there. Right. Yeah, but they're not the I don't they're not the favorite going into it. You know, they weren't I don't think they were the favorite against New Orleans or against mm -hmm. Green Bay. So I don't think it's pressure. It's just that they're in more. I believe what I, I hate the word, but like win now mode versus yeah. Kansas City. I, I hear what you're saying about it being a smaller window like that's that's the, in in windows aspect. There's no doubt that that Tampa Bay is under more pressure to get a ring out of Tom Brady being on their team. Um I think long-term, of course, like legacy goes more towards Mahomes because he has such a, what we hope is super bright future ahead of him because he's a lot of fun to watch, but I'm, I'm, I'm with Mark and it, it, I don't, I don't want to speak for Chris, but it sounded like he was kind of going down the same way as well. Cause he wasn't exactly sure what this year was going to be. I didn't think this was a Super Bowl year for the Bucks going into the season. I thought that they were going to win anywhere from nine to 11 games. I didn't think that they were going to win the division. I still thought that that was going to be New Orleans. And I said, Tampa's probably going to, you know, if they're a wild card team, which 
if they weren't going to be beat New Orleans, they were going to be a wild card team anyways. I thought that they could win on wild card weekend, but I thought that they were going to dip out in the divisional round, uh, NFC Championship round at the very latest. I didn't think that this was going to be a Super Bowl team. I thought the secondary was too young. I thought that that the lack of time that Tom Brady had with the rest of the roster, just it wasn't enough. And I felt like this was all setting up for 2022. Like I, I felt like, or the 2022, 2022 Super Bowl, so the 2021 season. I felt like this whole plan was all leading up to a 2021 one season run. And I right. thought that Brady could honestly play a third year, depending on how it worked out. So I saw yep. it as, yeah, he signed a two-year contract, but almost like if they play well enough the way they think to, they would have a third year that they would add on to it. So I, it's hard to say because it's a very interesting question. And of course, Derek brings the, the question that none of us have, have been asked in a week <laughs> where we've been asked right. every single question. <laughs> Um, right, it's right. an interesting one, but yeah, I think that it's a multi-layered thing. Well, it's it, and it was yeah. of course the first question because I'm an asshole, but I I, I want to say a couple things. I I love the analysis, I love the thoughts. Um, I think sometimes as fans we we project a lot down the timeline. Patrick's young; he's got a long road. He's the I, I don't disagree. He certainly, if he's not the best, he's in the top three for sure of of quarterbacks that are playing currently. A lot of what Patrick does is based on physical acumen, physical ability, and health. Um, there's a very fine line between him being able to be freakishly good and be freakishly normal. And so I think sometimes people discount that differential, right? And I think we see it a little bit with his escapability now. Yes, he's still got his escapability, but with that turf toe, he's going to be a little bit limited. And I want to see what he looks like because you've got Brady at 4,024 years old. He's still playing football the exact same way he played 4,020 years ago, right? And, and I agree. I, I don't think Brady's a one-year guy. I think if he stays healthy and upright, which this offensive line is, does an astonishingly good job of providing this guy plays for three years easily and grooms an heir apparent because he's got everything around him he could want he's got no state income tax he can collect all the money from tb12 he wants to and as bucks right. fans we get a chance to watch a team who according to jason light and you guys i think joe actually may be the expert on the on the call here about that cap apparently isn't really a thing anymore like we all worry about the salary cap except for the teams that run themselves and they're like ah fuck the cap we'll just sign whoever we want to so, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think that the, I think you guys are right. The, the chance of Brady coming down here and taking a team to the Super Bowl, winning in his first year, like that is so above the call of duty, like so crazy. Right. Who could have right. really expected, if I had really expected, I would put a grand on him at 50 to one and we'd all be laughing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Someone did. Vegas is going to get it in the shorts because here's the little teaser. The Bucks win the Super Bowl Sunday. The Bucks do win this Super Bowl. Right. Wait, somebody, Damn. Put a bet, somebody, somebody put a bet on it. Vegas is set to lose their ass because there are people that put <laughs> money at 50 to 1 on the Bucks at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Oh. So, conspiracy theory seed planted, by the way, gentlemen. If there's some fuckery with the officials, <laughs> I'm looking for some clown out of If Joe Pesci can't be found quickly, I want an APB or a bolo, whatever they call it nowadays, on his ass. Joe, what's your thoughts? You were having some video problems. What are your thoughks about who's got your thoughts about who has the most pressure on them right now? Uh, I mean, I think it's got to be KC, right? I mean, everybody's favored them. They are, they're, they're minus three. They've done this before. They were just there last year. They haven't lost without, while Mahomes has been in for a very long time. Um, Brady's been here, done this, right? Even at, even at 28 and 28 to three, he's still calm, cool and collected. So 
as long as he's at the helm, we're never going to have to worry about the Bucks feeling the pressure. Um, Arians has been there before, so I don't feel it from the coaching staff. These guys are just going to go about business just the same way that they have the second half of the year after bye week, just focusing on, on what's important, right? I don't think they're going to be shaken at all. It'll be interesting to see how they come out in the first quarter. Um, it was interesting because somebody was talking about today how um, since the last in weeks 16, 17, Bucks took the uh, took the opening kickoff when they won. It'll be interesting if they win the coin toss. Do they take that first? Do they take the football or do they defer? Right? Do they get? Nah, they're that taking it, man. The Bru- I mean, Bruce Arian, is, yeah, Arians is taking. They're it. yeah, Arians is taking it. Absolutely, I, I think he's seen something click earlier in the year. Uh, he didn't, but uh, for whatever reason, he he's seen something. He he really feels, and you know, it sends a, a strong message to his football team, to his offense, and and um, it's it's worked out well. Even last week, they didn't win, but they got the ball first and drove right down the field. And I think, you know, everybody, including Buck fans, were like, "Wow!" I mean, because we remember that stretch where they lost three out four, and the and the storyline was they can't start fast. They're awful. You know, Brady's not very sharp right out of the, right out of the gate. Byron left, which calls awful plays. And then uh, since, since that bye week, man, I mean, they've, they've really been on fire. Um, you know, I'd have to go back and look and see each game, how they did on the first couple of drives, but it certainly wasn't anything like it was against new Orleans on that Sunday night game or, or, or against the Rams or, um, or against Kansas city where, where they, you know, fell behind, fairly early and had to play catch up. Um, I think he wants to jump ahead there and, 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 and send a message to his team, but to Andy Reid and, and the chiefs as well. And, and there's one first. thing I wanted to say, one thing I wanted to say, Derek, it's something that you and I used to talk about all the time um, uh, back when the Buccaneers were just dreadful. And um, we, we used to talk about, you know, when, when this team finally figures out or not figures out, but takes the mindset when they walk into the field, they expect to win instead of hoping to win things would change and it's taken a couple of years for Bruce Arians but we talked to Bruce Arians earlier this week and maybe it was even last week when you know we asked about you know changing the culture I mean that that's such a big thing and and it's it's such a vague topic right I mean you know how do you change a culture of a team that that hasn't been to the playoffs since 2007 hadn't won a playoff game since 2002 um you know number one bringing a guy like Tom Brady in I I I, I think Bruce Arians tried to change the culture some last year, uh, but they were limited because of deficiencies uh, in terms of turnovers and, and, and the guy under center. And, and sometimes just bringing in a guy like Tom Brady, and I guess they just bringing in a guy like Tom Brady, like there's, you know, Tom Brady's growing on trees, but that was such a huge thing that Jason light and, and Bruce Arians was able to do, because to me, that was the number one thing because, because Tom Brady expects to win. He he's, you know, that 20 year run that he made with, with new England. And we talked about that, Derek, we say the Buccaneers need to have that new England uh, attitude where new England never went on the field thinking they might lose. They just expected to win. And it wasn't by how many, you know, it wasn't, if they were going to win, it was going to be about how many. And, and, uh, and I think since the bye week that's finally clicked for this entire roster, not just for Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski or some of those guys that they brought in, but, but really for the entire 53 guys. Go ahead, I remember. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I, I'm just I'm bringing back the memories of the first half of the Atlanta game, where we felt that the wheels were coming off. They were down 17 nothing, yeah. and put up 30. You know, and, and everyone was losing their shit in the first half. And <laughs> not, not you, you never do, <laughs> never lose your shit. But man, I, I feel that that second half. I know I think Bruce or Jason, whoever said it earlier in the week, was was that Bears game was was the turning point. But that second half. 
in Atlanta where they put up 21 points in the third quarter, ended up with 30, 31, 27 final score, but they're down 17, nothing. And you're thinking that's it. Season's over there. If they're going to lose to the Falcons, I mean, it, that's it. Right. So to me that whatever happened at halftime mm-hmm. in, in that game, I think completely turned around the season. I understand they beat Minnesota uh, and they won those other games, Detroit. I forget who the other, the other team was, but it was uh, I haven't game. lost, haven't lost since, but Falcons man, again, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, whatever it was that that happened in that in that that half uh, at halftime, I think completely changed the season. Trevor, you were trying to get I, in there. Yeah, no, I just remember, you know, I I worked for Peter Report and I covered the Bucks full time for three seasons. In those three seasons, they went five and eleven, five and eleven, and seven and nine. It was two with Cutter and one with Arians. And I remember just talking with with Scott Reynolds, my boss, and and he would tell me days of when he would drive to the stadium because Scott's been covering the team for 20 ish years. Why wow, it's like 23, 25. This year was 25, I believe it's yeah, wild. 25 years. Yep. So he would, he, he told me of the days when he was covering this team, when he'd be driving to the stadium, like he'd be driving up Dale Mabry or Hines or whatever it was. And he, it wasn't whether or not the bucks were going to win. He was simply thinking about how much, and he, he, he yeah. would tell me about these days because I was in the trenches covering this team that was very bad. And when I was in college and growing up, I, I could just continue to see two and 14, four and 12, six and 10, seven, like these records that were nothing. And, and Chris was joking around, you know, when I think this was before we went live, he's like, Oh, normally we're sitting here talking about draft prospects, you know, like normally in January, we've already turned the page. We're already having draft conversations. And I remember when Arians, came in in his initial press conference and he talked about winning in a way that was kind of like, yeah, we're just like, we're going to win. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I I mean, I didn't believe him. The last 15 years in Tampa Bay. I I mean, like, I don't know what winning is. I've, I've never watched a winner. I've never covered a winner. This is Tampa. This doesn't happen. It's been 15 years. And so like the words that he was saying were almost hollow, but Brady and this, I'm bringing it all the way back around to kind of what Mark was talking about. Brady with Arians is different because I use this example. Anybody out there who has ever seen the movie Troy or knows the story of Troy and Achilles in that movie, Achilles is on the boat with his like 50 men and he's about to storm the beaches of Troy, which has thousands of people in their army sitting there waiting for him. And yet Achilles gets the 50 men on his ship to all believe that they can land before the rest of the army and go win the damn war themselves. And Achilles is only, he's only one man. He can only do so much yet. Everyone around him believes that they're going to be victorious because he's there. That's what Brady is. Brady for somehow, some way makes everybody, even in Tampa Bay, believe that they can win games, no matter who's on the other side, no matter who's like offense, defense, whatever it is like that guy being here has made the difference in more than just the yards that he throws and the touchdown passes that he has. Like he really has made everybody think that they can beat any opponent that they go up against. And I truly think that that's made the most difference. There, there comes a time they don't, where they don't hold on Mark. There, there comes a time where people have to realize it's not a team has to learn how to expect to win. It's every individual has to learn how to expect to win their assignment on their play. And Brady demands that of everyone else because that's what he expects of himself. And he's got a, he's got the receipts. He's done it. Right. That's why back in the day, right. uh, When we brought in Hardy Nickerson, he had receipts. When you bring in these free agents 
Like, and we tried it. Like, our, our beloved organization tried. They went out and got folks that were successful and really good at their positions. But they weren't able to translate that into winning here, winning their plays here, right? So, and they, listen, look at a guy like Carlton Davis, right? People, listen, right now, people are talking shit about Carlton Davis getting burnt by Tyreek Hill in the, in the Week 12 game. They're still bemoaning the fact that Tyreek Hill had 200-something yards, right? It was a three-point game. Give him 1,000 yards. I don't give a shit how many yards he catches for, right? I don't want Carlton Davis ever thinking he can't cover Tyreek Hill, right? So if Todd Bowles tells him, you're impressed man, bitch, get impressed man, and think you're going to win that snap. Sure. So, and, and Brady, Brady does evoke he, – he rips that out of people because, listen, if he screws up, you're never going to be more mad at him than he is at himself. Anyway, sorry, Mark. Didn't mean to stomp on you, brother. No, you didn't. And 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 I, I agree with completely what you're saying there. They, I've, I've been asked about it since Tom Brady was signed on, on multiple, you know, radio interviews and things like that. Tom Brady, and, and this isn't just me from observing this, which part of it is, is observations, but it's talking to people behind the scenes. Tom Brady doesn't just make the offense better. Tom Brady makes the defense better, but Tom Brady makes the lady who answers the phone in the lobby better. The guy who spreads the fertilizer on the field after practice better. The person who answers the phone calls when people are bitching about their seats or not getting tickets better because he's elevated the entire organization. And I'm telling you, I, I you, you can say, well, that's that's cliche or that I'm telling you, people on the inside have told me that. And and and, and Joe could probably verify that even a little bit better. He's just brought uh, he's just demanded better from the entire organization. And uh, I don't know. I This is kind of a thought I've been thinking about, too. COVID may have helped this football team to a degree, meaning these guys were locked down. They had nothing to do but get better. Tampa is a wonderful city to live and play football in. And a lot of guys come here and enjoy the beaches and the boats in South Tampa where Trevor used to hang out all the time. And you know what I mean? They weren't able to do that. I mean, Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean, all they could do is sit in their house and, and watch film. You know what I mean? Play a little Xbox or whatever they played as well too. But but I, I'm telling you, people have been telling me that, that Tom Brady, you know, it's the Brady effect. And and again, probably overused, but I don't know that it can be over um, estimated or whatever the right word I'm trying to think is. He he's he's changed the organization completely. I don't know if it continues after he leaves. Um, but for right now, I'm not worried about when he leaves. I'm worried about Sunday against against the Chiefs. And and again, I'm I'm with you, Derek. I, I think they win this football game. Joe, you know, what are your thoughts? I think um, it's easy to say that that Brady has come in and, and pushed these guys to the next level and brought them to being a Super Bowl team. But I'll tell you whenever I realized that this was that, that Arians was going to be different than the last two, three, four coaches that we had ever since until Gruden, right? Um, I got to work under Raheem. Raheem is a phenomenal coach. Great dude. Uh, very young and undisciplined team. Um, and I remember when there was a discussion about whether we were going to re-sign Gerald McCoy or we were going to let him walk. And they actively made the decision to let him walk and replace him with Indominus Sue. And to me, that was more than just, than just like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to replace one contract with a little bit cheaper one. I think it was a mentality that both Arians and Bowles and Jason Light to some degree as well. Um, wanted on this team because in Dominican Sue, everybody knows his reputation. He plays on the edge of, of being a dirty player um, and crosses and has crossed that line a couple times. 
Gerald McCoy, fantastic player, but he's also the type of guy that will tackle a guy and then help him right back up. And Dominican Sue is the type that is going to stomp on your throat and make sure you don't get back up, right? And I think they wanted that mentality, especially on this defense, to be intelligent and nasty and really get after the quarterback. And to me, that was kind of the, the changing of the guard, so to speak, and that they were going a little bit different direction because you don't just let a player like Gerald McCoy go, right? And Derek, he said it earlier, like the cap is real, but you can, there's a lot of work that you can do around the cap. And so if you want a player to stick around, you can absolutely figure out how to make that player stick around. They could have kept Gerald McCoy and they just chose not to. And so that to me was, was kind of the, the start of it all. And it's easy to go, Oh, Brady, Brady was the key and Brady unlocked all this talent, but we got to go back and remember that this is a work in progress. They've been, they've been putting these pieces in place up until this point. And, um, and to your point, Mark, like, a lot of these, a lot of these young guys, they haven't, I wouldn't say that they haven't had the chance to go out. It's made it tougher to go out or maybe less fun to go out now that COVID's around, but they absolutely could have made those terrible decisions to go out and do bad yeah. things, ended up getting COVID yes. and then, yes. and then suffering the consequences of those, but they've chosen not to. So give them some credit, give Brady, give Brady some credit, but also give Arians and light and that entire staff some credit for putting together, because this is really, really hard to do, right. To get to a Super Bowl, It's the epitome. So there's a lot of things Joe, that you, just you, have to happen. You, you nailed it on the Sioux thing. And Scott and I took a lot of abuse and we like Gerald McCoy. We took a lot of abuse from Gerald McCoy. Um, who who's blocked us on Twitter because he didn't like some of the things I said. You're one thousand percent true, correct in saying it was a it was based on mentality, not production as much as a mentality. The Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians wanted to change on this football team. Everybody loves Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy is a great guy. He's a Hall of Fame person, no question about it. Um, but yeah, we, we know for a fact, in fact, and I think I've said this before, but, but Trevor can verify this too. Jason light told us when they drafted Vita Vea, it was between Vita Vea and Durbin James and they had them just, they were, they were dead even. And, and there was a lot of discussion back and forth, but Jason light said the final factor was he was sick and tired of seeing his def defense, really both sides of the ball, particularly the defensive line just manhandled at times the year before. And, and that's why he took Vita Vea, because he knew that the mentality and the, and the, and the change they wanted to have on defense would start with a guy like Vita Vea. And then, of course, they brought in Indomitian Sue to help shore that up. And we've seen the results and the difference and, 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 and how they've been able to be number one against the run the last two years. Uh, again, Derek made a good point. Tyree Kill can get 300 yards receiving. And if the Buccaneers win, it doesn't matter. Listen, Dalvin Cook had over 100 yards this year against this defense. They still lost. You know, that's you don't have to just always just stop the run, and that's going to be the key to your success. It's 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 you know, there's plenty of other factors that go into winning or losing a football game. But you're right, the blueprint blueprint was set, and uh, and you and you nailed it there, Joe. That's that's absolutely true about about Adamican Sue. And and there are people out there that still get mad at us when we say that. We you know, Leroy Selman was a nice guy, and and um, you know, there are some you know, not mean guys on this team, but you need a few of those asshole players. And, and, and Dominican Sue is that guy. The, the, the only thing that I want to throw into this, and I don't want to, to subvert an incredible run to the Super Bowl with talk of Gerald McCoy. It's like, I was talking about whether Gruden went with Dungy's team, the fact that that's still a talking point in Tampa makes me want to throw up. But, but one thing about Gerald McCoy is McCoy was known to freelance. 
right? Let's take the attitude and the psych 101 out of it and the who's a mean guy, who's a nice guy. Gerald McCoy, despite being an incredible talent, sometimes just didn't do his damn job. He did another job right. because he was a freakish athlete, and sometimes it worked. But a lot of times it left the guys on either side of him out to dry. Todd Bowles' defense doesn't let that happen. He can't have it happen. That's, and all the that's defenses why Quan Alexander's not here. Right. That, that's another reason Quan Alexander's not here. And, um, you know, that, that's absolutely right. But Gerald, I remember having a meeting with Greg Schiano and, and watching game film. Greg called us in the meeting room, and this was him trying to save his job. Uh, Joe can verify this probably as well, too, that, you know, he did a lot of behind the scenes stuff there at the end to try and save his job. And, and I respect Greg Schiano. I know a lot of people hate him. Uh, he, he's forgotten yeah. more about football than, than we'll all know, uh, whether we, we, you know, worked or, or mm-hmm. it worked or will ever work in the NFL again. But um, and, and he was hated inside that building for the most part. But but I remember watching film and, you know, he wasn't saying here's Gerald McCoy freelancing. But he was saying, here's Gerald McCoy freelancing. He also said that about Darrell Revis on a particular play, too, that he showed. It was a Carolina game where Revis wow. was supposed to drop off uh, coverage and cornerback and let the safety pick up Greg Olson or whatever it was. I don't remember the exact thing. But, but he was making a point without, you know, throwing Gerald under the bus. But, you know, and, and, and we saw that. I mean, Gerald, Derek's right. He was a freakish athlete, and he could get away with things like that from time to time. And Dominican Sue is going to do exactly what – uh, you know, what Todd Bowles asking to do, because again, one guy in 11 starts acting like a, a freelancer and, 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 and that can hurt your whole defense. And again, I, I don't, I'm not knocking Jerry McCoy. I think Jerry McCoy is, is, is a hell of a person and a hell of a football player. And, and I hope he's healthy and he can play somewhere next year. Yeah. The number and, one rush defense under Shiano as well. Just to, correct. They did. <laughs> did they, did they have the number one yeah, rush defense? Yeah, I mean, that, it, the problem with the problem with stats, right? Liars, damn liars and statisticians, right? You can have the number one run defense because you can't stop the pass too. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so it's, were, it's always, why, a, they, a tricky why would thing. you try and run the ball against a team yeah. that can't stop the pass? Yeah. Well, and, and that goes back to my old, you know, everyone hates the fact that I'm the only guy on the podcast who doesn't want to throw the ball ever with Tom Brady. I'd rather him hand the ball off 61 times and we win. Right. I don't want to see him throw a pass. If they can't stop us in four yards and don't throw a single fucking pass, just run the ball down the field, really? less risk. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, baby. I'm not there for entertainment. High school football. I want, run a wing yeah. T. Run That's a wing T. I don't give football. a damn. That's peewee football. That makes, me, that makes me uncomfortable. Hey, hey call it peewee football yeah. all you want, bitch. If I can get four yards <laughs> down, you're never seeing a throw. You won't see a single drop back. Mm. But anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's throw this to a little bit different direction. We know that everything seemed to sort of change with the bye. Week 12, right? We're seven and five. Uh, I think at that point, most of Twitter had fired pretty much everyone in the coaching staff. The front office had cut 40 players by that point. The team was going to be blown up, as is often the case at Twitter. Then the buy happened, and then some magic started to happen. And since then, we haven't found a loss. I want to start with Joe this time. What do you think clicked? And I want you to treat the offense and the defense separately because both of them have done some different things. And I don't know whether it's the players doing different things, the schemes being mildly modified or what you think it may be, but what, what has been your lens on that change in week 12 or after week 12? Well, it's a really good question. Cause I think there's a couple of things, right? I mean, I think we all pretty much agree that they kind of coalesced and had a chance to kind of um, adjust to what they were doing. So to me, um, one of the things that uh, the Bucks offense does is it helps play defense for, um, Tom Bowles and and his and his part of it, right? So for me, it's everybody hates the first down runs, but everybody also gets really pissed off whenever Brady throws it sixty times a game. So which one would you rather have, right? Um, now they we want the one really that works, Joe. 
Yo, they want the one that works. Only the one that works, right. and only one that works in hindsight. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they knew it all along what was going to work. They could have told you before, they just didn't, right? So, um, you know, I think I think there was um, a little bit more commitment to the run game in terms of, of trying to be balanced, even if it wasn't effective. And that's not the worst thing. I'm, I will rail against the run until the day I die at this point. But at the same time, like there's some use for it. And I think if everybody thinks of the run as more of a defensive tactic than an offensive tactic, people will better understand its fit within the game today. So I think they did that. Um, I think the other part that they did is they allowed Brady to play more of his offense versus um, the Arians and Leftwich offense. And Honestly, the thing is, is I thought that they were, if, if you had asked me before today and actually looking up the numbers, I would have said, hey, you know, Brady's throwing more dump offs. He's not throwing the ball as deep. The funny thing is, is he's actually, his average depth of target over the last four games is well over 10. Um, and before he was barely cracking eight. So they are actually throwing the ball deeper and more often. Um, and then the other thing is, is getting aggressive on third down. I, I think on offense, they're not afraid to do what is necessary. And Brady will line up. I know people hate this too, um, but Brady will line up and he will read. And if, if there's nine in the box and he's got Mike Evans in single coverage on the outside on third and one, sorry, buddy, you're going up top. Like yep. it's just, it's whatever the defense gives you go after that. And they're taking more high percentage plays. It feels like a low percentage play, but whenever there's nine in the box, that one yard run is it probably isn't going to make it right. So I think on, on offense, those are a few things. And then um, the one big thing that I see with Bulls' defense is, and this is really only over the last couple of games, is he is way less afraid to play man coverage the last couple of games. Um, and you saw it especially against Green Bay where and, and New Orleans specifically where he was playing two-man a lot more than he's played. He probably played more two-man in those two games than he's ever played – than he played the previous 17 before that. So his commitment to, to letting his guys win their matchups um, has been phenomenal. Vita Vea, if he's not in that game, I don't think – if he's not in the last game, I don't think they win that because he's eating up double teams, which allows JPP and Shaq Barrett to have monster games last week. Um, and then, and then that allows two backup safeties to play two deep coverage, which takes a little bit of pressure off of them instead of putting one deep safety in the center of the field. So I think he's understanding what his players are doing, who he's got out there and his ability to adjust in game has been immaculate, like I incredibly immaculate. I can't say enough. Like if you were to pick an MVP of this team, to me, it wouldn't be Brady. It would be Todd Bowles. Fish, you're shaking your head like you're super excited about this. No, I agree. Throwing. No, I agree. No, I agree with with everything that Joe's saying. I, and I, I hate. I'm like Mr. Turnover, right? That's that's just like what I've been harping on for how many seasons now. But the four games before the bye, the Bucks had eight turnovers. <laughs> four games after the bye, they had one turnover. So mm. it makes a difference. I think the defense has been pretty solid all year i understand fans will watch and say why are they playing so far off and they're just letting drew Brees throw all over them they're letting patrick mahomes throw all over them but i i i feel like the and i when tom brady came here i think all these fans and everyone said hey they're, he's going to get destroyed behind this offensive line offensive line they sacked Jameis x amount of times he's going to get destroyed i i feel this i have not seen and I've been watching this team for a long time. I've not seen an offensive line be this impressive in Tampa in a very long time. And, and I don't even know back to maybe the Jeff Christie 
uh, years. It, it, you know, you, we're going back that far. Um, Donovan Smith gets a lot of shit, a lot of shit from fans. I think this has been Donovan Smith's best year. Mm-hmm. Ali Marpet is consistent mm-hmm. as fuck. Always is. That's just Ali. It's Ali Marpet. Mm-hmm. This is Ryan Jensen's best year as a Buccaneer. He's smart. He was getting the flags thrown, I think, early last year or the year before. I love watching him. You know he's my favorite player, but I love watching him against the Saints. He's so smart. He, he baits you into it, and then he's just like, he, he steps back. And for Stinney to step in in the playoffs, I know Kappa was playing really good ball. So you go from Ted Larson, who was, my God, thank God, they had Stinney because Ted Larson in that Washington game, oh, boy, it was getting ugly. And uh, Stinney stepped in. And is 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 played as good as you would expect. And the scary thing is, I think the best offensive lineman on this team is a rookie at right tackle in Tristan Wirfs, and that to me has been the difference this year. Because when the offense was struggling, they were struggling, right? And and the defense, I think, has kept this offense uh, in games enough. Turnovers made big differences. They you know they came out. We saw what happened at home against the Saints. We saw what happened against the Rams and against the Chiefs, but. The offensive line, all five guys, you say this all the time, Derek, they've done their job every single game. And I don't know if it's Tom Brady that's made the difference, but the offensive line has, in my opinion, been the difference in this team this year than what I've seen in previous years. I I think you've got to include Gronk in that, by the way. Uh, And I don't know how we've gone 49 minutes into this podcast and not said Gronkowski once, but this is a guy who's got all of the, the pedigree in the world Right. And you expect him to want to have the ball in his hands. OJ Howard goes down. You expect to see that increase as well. But all he's done is go in there underweight and lock up some guys. He has no business being able to block and do the dirty work and help that line. Right. Whether it's helping Donovan sometimes if there's someone out there who's got a quick first step or whether it's being on the other side with Tristan. Um, the, The ballet of fat guys that I love so much has been absolutely fantastic with rare exception this season. The, um, the the offensive line the offensive line is is has been outstanding since the bye week in particular. I mean that New Orleans game it wasn't very good, but you fell behind. You knew you, the the Saints knew what they were going to do. That's not really a fair game to judge the offensive line on in particular. And that was also a game that Marpet wasn't in. But um, but you know, and again, I we all get lucky with writing articles. But it's it's two articles I wrote earlier this spring that the, the, the offense is going to go as far as as the offensive line takes and, and, and Derek, you and I are a lot alike in the fact that, you know, we're real simple when it comes to the team that blocks the best and tackles the best, gives themselves the best chance to win. I've, I've saw it. I coached high school football and, and youth league football and you coached high school football and semi-pro football. You can have all the skill positions you want at quarterback and wide receiver and running back. Um, you know, if, if, if that's all you got, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult to win when you get to the NFL level. Now I have seen youth league football where the kids didn't even block, but you had just an ex- exceptional yeah. quarterback that could run all over the field and, and go 80 yards on any snap. But this offense, and then I wrote a few weeks later that it, not only just the offensive line, I think it's Donovan Smith because he was the enigma coming into this, into this year. I mean, you know, and, and there was a point midway through the year and Scott and I were talking about it recently on our podcast where we had maybe even written him off as far as next year, because he doesn't have any guaranteed money. Maybe you flip Tristan over there and you draft another right tackle. You find one in free agency because earlier in the year, now I agree, Chris, as a whole, when you add it all up and how he's played the second half of the year, it's his best year. There's no doubt about it. Didn't start as great um, as, as a lot of people expected, but, the offensive line, you know, there's and and there's so much luck that goes involved to 
in getting to a Super Bowl. And Chris is going to spit out his water when I say this. Ryan Suckup. I mean, here's a position that has been I mean, it's a little thing, right? It's it's right. I don't know that Ryan Suckup hasn't kicked a game-winning field goal as time expired for any of these wins this year that I remember, right? But when you add them up and you add up the consistency and knowing that when you roll a guy out there, you feel pretty comfortable he's going to be able to make the kick. They haven't had yeah. that since Chris's guy, Pat Murray. And before that, you got to go all the way back to to the Connor Barth and, and the Matt Bryant years. I mean, you know, they and, and, and again, I say luck because – Matt Gay was going to be the kicker until the final preseason game of the year when they brought suck up in when they realized he was healthy and Gay struggled a little bit uh, in practice. I remember watching him just, you know, missing kicks and uh, and they brought in suck up and let and let him kick a little bit. And he has been just a, you know, the little things like that. Again, those, those little lucky things, Jason, Light finding a guy like him on the street. Uh, who's one of the best kickers in the league that solidified a position that has cost this team wins in the past. He may not have single-handedly won a game in a dramatic fashion this year, but he's been an integral and important part of this offense as well. I, I think you're absolutely yard field goal. I'm sorry, Trevor. For, I mean, in the fourth quarter last yeah. week, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and, that, and, it, like, yeah. that makes it eight points. I mean, I think yes. th the, the decision from Matt LaFleur, I think is completely different. If suck up miss, if suck up misses that field goal, the bucks don't win the game. <laughs> Nick right. Folk hit, did hit a game-winning field goal as time expired, and guess where he is? Not on this team. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's yeah. not just about yeah. the ones that happen as time expired. I, I just wanted to add, I mean, like, y'all, I completely agree with all of you guys' points on this, but there's no doubt that there's 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 luck involved here. And, and I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when you looked at them on paper going into the season, this is a team that that could go the distance and that, that had playoff potential, deep playoff potential to it. But, you know, when you look at how they've been down the stretch – Okay, let's look at these games here that they've, that they've had on this winning streak. Atlanta, bad team. Detroit, bad team. Atlanta, bad team. Washington, bad team. New Orleans, a team you've seen three times this year. Green Bay, a team that you already know well. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. I'm not trying to take away anything from them going out there and doing it, but who you play does matter. They played three really bad teams. Four, if you want to count Minnesota, because Minnesota is not great where they kind of warmed up to then getting to play Washington at Washington to start the playoffs. Washington's a bad team with a bad quarterback who is in there. They go to new Orleans, but it's a team that they've already seen twice this year. And if it's hard to beat a team twice in a year, it's damn hard to beat them three times in the year. And then of course, green Bay, it's never easy going into green Bay, but it's a team that they already beat well, that they matched up well against. I went into, um, I went into the, it was the new Orleans saints week with the playoffs, a divisional round. And I said, the Bucs are the Bucks should be thankful they're playing the Saints because they didn't want to see the Rams. I really don't think they wanted to see the Rams. Now, of course, Jared Goff's health went into that a little bit, but I didn't think that they wanted to see the Rams in that game. Derek, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. That's because they, <laughs> the Rams weren't shit when we played them earlier in the year. They were busted up and less shit when we would have seen them in the playoffs. I mean, why would we have been afraid of the Rams? Uh, Donald could barely walk in between plays. I think that health would have that obviously played played a bigger factor for Donald being available and with Goff actually not really being great to throw the ball. But I just felt like objectively, like with Brandon Staley as a defensive coordinator with the Los Angeles Rams, we know how highly regarded he is because he's already a head coach already. And of course, McVay and how he absolutely manipulated what the Bucs did their first time out. I just feel like they didn't want to see him. But seeing New Orleans, it's a team you're familiar with. Yeah, they got more talent, but but they were a team well. that they, they were a team them. that curb stomped you in front of your mom. Right? I mean, no, this no, is no, a team okay. they should have been afraid of New Orleans. Like I don't I'm, no. I'm pretty sure there were some turtle heads poking well, out when they took the field against New Orleans cuz they had gotten their asses kicked by them. 
I disagree. And I would also say if you're going to go ahead, Joe. if you're going to use if you're going to use the use the excuse or or the call out that hey the the Bucks knew the Packers really well. Well, the Packers knew us pretty well too. The Saints knew us pretty well too. I'm, like I'm, that that all of those flip complete one eighty on those as well. I do not in any way. I'm not saying that they didn't go out there and do the damn thing. And being and the real the reason why I started this conversation saying that I agree with all of you is because I agree. Todd Bowles has been a different coordinator these last couple of games. Tom Brady's hitting the deep ball a lot better. They're getting Mike Evans a lot more involved in the key areas they need to. The kicking game is fantastic. The defensive line's playing well with Vita Vea coming back. This old line's one of the top offensive lines in the NFL. All of these things truly exist. They do have to go out and do it, but they're teams you're familiar with. And I, I feel like when you look at the run that they've had, they've gone either gone up against bad teams or familiar teams. Now, does it matter? No, of course not. I'm not trying to say and, they, and don't, they don't deserve to be here, but that's I think I was just saying that's what goes into it. You need a little bit of help every now and then. And the, and the schedule the schedule was a bit of luck too. You're right, Trevor. I mean, playing bad teams down the stretch when they were seven and five and needing to get in the playoffs that was that was luck. All right, the NFL. You know, did them a favor there. Um, and, and I think having a late bye week was huge for this football team. A lot of people yeah, were complaining. Ended up this team huge. was tired. This team was tired uh, on that three out of four losing streak and, and, and being able to do that. Taysom Hill not being able to play in the New Orleans game. That was lucky for the Buccaneers. Huge. And the Buccaneers ha- have been very fortunate injury-wise. Yeah, they've had some guys banged up from time to time and losing Vita when they did, but he's able to come back. There's luck, too. They've played long enough that this guy's able to recover from a fractured ankle. I mean, that's just good luck and good fortune. And another reason why I think when I look at this football game, another reason why I think Tampa Bay wins. I mean, things have just been trending in their direction. If Tampa Bay was without Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs going into this game, I would give them zero chance of winning. You know what I mean? And here we are. People are like just blowing that off with the Chiefs that they're going to be missing their two starting tackles. You can't blow that off. That's y'all lucky seen, for the Buccaneers. Yeah. Y'all seen right. Mike Remmers play tackle? Mm. Well, and the other thing is, like, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about it, and I think I actually tweeted this out, that – if you look at what the Bucks had to do to be able to get into the playoffs um, and then the, the road that they had to get just to be able to try to win a Super Bowl, like looking at it from week one of the playoffs, Washington, okay, probably a win, right? But still not the, the best matchup for the Bucks just because of the way that they're built, even with a bad quarterback. But then you got to go to New Orleans, to Green Bay in January, and then you got to face the Chiefs. Like when you step back and look at that, you can say luck all you want, but holy hell, those are some, those are some haymakers that you guys swing past, right? So um, I don't want to discount what they've done to 100%. They've been lucky in certain areas. Um, I don't think Taysom Hill changes the game a whole lot, but to your point, like we're also very lucky in the Super Bowl that the left tackle and right tackle probably aren't going to be able to play. That's going to be massive in terms of how Todd Bowles is going to be able to approach this game because He's not going to have to rush. He's going to be able to use his second half strategy that he used last week against Green Bay in the exact same way. Two men, a whole bunch. Let his four yep. guys go get him. And yep. then, and then the other thing is, is we're lucky to have Devin White and Levante David who can cover sideline to sideline like nobody else's business, right? So you get you get them in zone with eyes in the backfield. You've limited Mahomes' feet. And you've actually got a chance to be able to stop that speed to the edges that they're going to be able to use. So absolutely, we got lucky. But I mean, the teams that they're that they've plowed through to get here is pretty impressive. We're, we're losing Trevor. Just, we're losing no, Trevor at nine. Oh, go ahead. I just oh, wanted sorry. to say one more thing. Like I, when when you say 
when people say luck, they often think that it means that you like don't deserve it or like you got right, something right. without like working right. hard or, or being there. New Orleans being one of the toughest teams in the NFC, yet being a team that the Buccaneers were also able to see twice this year, that's luck. Does that make it necessarily any easier to like go up against them? No, but it helps them out a little bit. Same thing with Green Bay. They faced them already this year. They found some success in it. They've been able to get more tape to it. And so I just wanted to say like the run maybe the word lucky is different, but like the run has helped them. Even the Washington game, like remember what the Washington game was? What was the big difference in the Washington game? Everybody said Washington's front seven against Tampa's offensive line. Maybe that gave them a great taste of hell. Yeah. Playoff football. Like this is a damn good defensive line. And that got them right. juiced for new Orleans for green Bay, all that, that right. in and of itself, maybe a little bit of luck. And so no need, no, in, in no way am I saying like not deserving or anything like that. It's more of, how about good fortune? Good fortune, kind of the way that you knew they were going to have to beat good teams to get to this point, but it was also teams they were familiar with, which I think they were able to match up well and, and increase their own confidence and strengths moving forward. So that's kind of well, how we're here. I, uh, I I'm know just going to take this piece. With, I, I want to give Trevor a, a chance piece to, about I, you I, saying lucky. Hold on, hold on, Mark. I want to give Trevor a chance to leave. <laughs> no, he, he hit me up. I haven't interrupted enough today. That's bullshit. <laughs> No, I haven't. I have not interrupted nearly enough. My Listen, if Alyssa gets say, mad, it's that. on you. But we don't care about Alyssa. Trevor can all move of, down here again. Dude, all of Tampa cares about Alyssa because I don't live anymore there anymore, and now Tampa fans get to be happy. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, true. go ahead, Derek. I want Does your dog have an Instagram, no. Trevor, before we lose you? No, but his, his hair is better than Trevor's now. Uh, so, Trevor <laughs> – Predictive. This is a tradition that we did back in the old day. Predictive MVPs on offense and defense, and your score prediction. These other clowns are staying with me longer. Apparently, they're gluttons for punishment, so we'll continue to chop it up. Who's your predictive offensive MVP and defensive MB MVP, and what do you predict the score to be, brother? Now, am I saying MVP in the sense of like who I think can win the award, or who's like going to be the tipping point X factor player? Who's going to be the X factor? And it can I mean, be from either team. It can be from, normally this is just for the Bucks. It can be from either team. You get to pick from either team. No, I'll go from the Bucks because it'll be fun. X Factor, uh, I'll say Scotty Miller. I'll say Scotty Miller breaking one loose is something that's important for him, even if it's not a touchdown, even if it's just a play that they really need uh, in a play when they need it. So I'll go Scotty Miller as like kind of that tipping scale offensive player for the Bucks on that side of the ball. And then defense, whoever gets the turnover. Because they got to force at least one. The name of the game is all about getting an extra possession for your offense. That is football in 2020. And so with Sean Murphy bunting, being able to have the turnover streak that he's been on right now, that's been paramount for them to get to this point. And so it's somebody in the secondary. Somebody in the secondary has to get them a turnover and it's Mahomes. And it doesn't happen very often, but somebody's got to get it. I, I'd actually love for it to be Levante. I don't know. We'll see. So maybe I'll just uh, yeah. say Levante is next factor. I, I like you going, putting, putting it on the line with Levante. You're, you're yeah. calling back to Derek Brooks in the Super Bowl. I see yeah. what you're doing. I know where your head is. What do you see the score as? Man, Trevor's 30, scared now that he lives in Carolina. 34. No, 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 no. 37 to 31. Tampa wins. Look at that. All right. Well, Trevor Sikama at Tampa Bay Trey, thanks for joining the round table. I know you've got to get uh, off to church or whatever you're doing this evening. Um, appreciate you coming on. Uh, tell, tell everyone we said hello. 10 o'clock? 
I, I will. I will. Derek, I told you this when I was on the podcast with you before, but uh, bucket list item being on a <laughs> podcast or anything with you because I used to grow up listening to all kinds of your, your, your Tampa talk. And so get anytime I'm on with you. It's fantastic. And anytime I get to join uh, Mark, Christian, Joe as well, but this was great. I really appreciate you setting this up. Really appreciate you uh, having me involved because this is a lot of fun. I uh, hope you guys have a lot of fun over the rest of the week. And of course on Super Bowl Sunday too. Right, take care, Trevor. See you. Um, Trevor, Trevor said something that I want us to piggyback on uh, now that he's he's leaving. Um, we've talked a little bit about the defensive change, right? Uh, the ability to play a little bit more press. Um, I have said since the first game of the year with the Saints, the Saints have employed a defensive strategy, which is essentially we're going to hold and interfere every play and dare the referees to call us. And if they start calling us, then we'll make an adjustment, right? This is a typical coachy thing, right? You, you see what you're going to get away with, and then you adjust your, your call. And to be honest, it's worked well for the Saints. I have seen a lot more of that by the Bucks defense um, after the bye week. I wonder if you guys are seeing that. I wonder if this is just a matter of – because, you know, you put two safeties back there that are, that are green, and that's your line, line of defense with your guys in man underneath – you, you got to have a little bit of faith underneath, but that aggressive defense seems to start from the back and work its way all the way to the front. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but anyone jump in. Well, I don't want to be the guy that always jumps in because uh, I'm actually oh, tweeting out no. that I need to get questions for the mailbag, but uh, I forgot I have to do the mailbag <laughs> tonight. Um, so I won't be on that much longer. But let Mark um, go so he didn't interrupt anybody. <laughs> yeah, see, they should let me go before Trevor. See, he, I, I, and then the one time I don't want to interrupt, nobody talks. So this is why I interrupt people. But um, no, I, I think um, I think you're right. I, 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 I like that. I mean, I think Packer fans lost their mind this week. I got into a debate with some of them this week about these holding calls and things like that. And, you know, I, I'm I don't like this. Well, it's the playoffs. So let guys play. I mean, a penalty is a penalty because you see an obvious hold or something like that. You got to call it. Uh, I, I think Buccaneer fans would have loved to Mike Evans to have got a flag on the one where he was mugged down the sideline in the game. Um, and, but Sean Murphy bunting absolutely could have been called on that late second quarter interception where he where he tugged on the receiver and, and got in front of the ball. Um, but you can't say that the 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 hold at the end of the game on King what, what shouldn't have been called because other ones weren't called. I mean, it almost took the guy's jersey off. But I like your strategy, man hold offensive linemen hold until they start calling it defensive backs you're right the saints are notorious for that these guys are so physical that's why they've been so successful against a guy like mike evans and they just for whatever reason the refs don't want to throw the flags on the saints maybe it goes back to that rams game a couple years ago but it's hard to get a call against the saints so what the hell man uh you know maybe the refs think well the chiefs are so good on offense we're going to give the buccaneers you know a little bit of benefit of the doubt to try and slow these guys down so that's a great that's a great coaching point there Derek I, I like that in fact I'm going to call Todd Bowles and tell him you should add you to the staff <laughs> <laughs> Joe you've been around this a long time you spent a lot of time with Raheem and listen p- people may have opinions of Raheem I hope their opinion is that he's a hell of a coach uh, because I know that to be true especially mm-hmm. at the positional level and seems like he's continued that up the chain as well uh, you probably got a lot of inside uh, experience and exposure to him working with some great DBs what are your thoughts about our defensive backs and how they're evolving as the season progressed so it's interesting because I think um, what I see is is uh, kind of a learning experience, right? One of the things that I called out before before the season that could potentially hurt us was how young our secondary was. 
because those are a bunch of new guys, first, second year players. But man, some of these guys are playing like seasoned professionals because they're doing a lot of the little things very, very well. They, they line up with the right level leverage. They don't let a guy get inside whenever he has to go outside And the, the holding and the penalties that you're seeing um, they're not called a ton because they're done really, really well. They're done because they're inside of the body. They're, they're done because there's a hand check, an arm check, you know, a little bit of a hip check here and there. They're forcing them out of bounds whenever they're on the edge. Those little types of things that absolutely change the course of the game because, I mean, you saw it, Sean Murphy bunting pulls the guy. Now that one gets a little bit out, but that's a normal pull that they typically get on the shoulder pads. He just missed it by half an inch and got the jersey. Should it have been called? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, it didn't. It was the right thing, and he does it just about every single play. It's just that was the one where they caught him with the jersey, right? And so I think those little tiny things that are so important to Todd Bowles are, are filtering through to this young secondary, and they're playing like a lot of vets. And so I love the idea of uh, let's play as aggressive as we possibly can until they tell us we can't do that. Let the refs set that boundary. Otherwise, yep. we're never going to know where it is. And I love that mentality. I love that aggressiveness in the secondary. Um, and he's and he's done a great job of, of scheming up some really random stuff. I mean, him walking Sue around um, in the last game off the line of scrimmage to try to, to try to mix up, you know, coverages and stuff like that. He can get a little cute sometimes, but he always seems to revert back by the time the second half comes around and he realizes what he needs to do. And I think that's, we can talk about the offense starting, the offense starting slow. The defense starts slow too. Like we've allowed more first quarter points than any other team in the league this year. So that's not just an offensive start thing. That's a defensive start thing. So I like to see the progression, the young guys getting better. And I think um, it's going to pay off because I think you're going to see a much different defense against the chiefs this time around than you saw in week 12. They um, have to, I, I, I was concerned just Joe said it too about the, the youth in the secondary. And I think I even tweeted this during the saints game is that they, they blew coverage in, against Washington. And I think it was Trevor Simeon was the starting quarterback. He, he just missed the play and the gimmick play that the saints ran where Jameis threw the touchdown. It was just, I think it was a blown coverage, but if I, and I don't watch as much game film as I used to, but I, I did notice that the play that the Packers were uh, on the goal line, they ran this this play to Devontae Adams the week before against uh, the Rams. I believe they played him the week before, and Jalen Ramsey kind of got caught up. So Bowles completely, if, if you go back and watch this play, and I don't know where what quarter it is, whatever, I'm sure it's in the second half. But there, there's been adjustments, and... We, we, we talked about earlier with, you know, the Saints not having these players and, and they lost their two starting safeties. And I know Winfield didn't didn't start, but they lost Whitehead during the game. So you've got Adams and, and Mark, you know, probably better than I am. How many snaps has he played this year? You're going against Aaron Rodgers and right. Devontae Adams. And then you've got Mike Edwards, who, you know, he's played this year. But so give credit as well to to the guys who have stepped up for Tampa. But it's in my opinion, and someone probably said in the chat room earlier, they don't win that game without Vita Veda, Vita Vea putting pressure in the middle, which allowed the two guys on the outside to eat all day. And that's what they're going to do against Mahomes. They're not going to blitz. I don't think they're going to blitz against Mahomes. I think Vea is going to make a huge difference because I think it's going to open up things for Shaq Barrett and it's going to open up things for JPB. I think Barrett's going to have a huge game this week. 
but I think it's all because of Vita Vea. I don't, I, I, Sue doesn't do that. And I know people think I hate on Sue all the time, but he just doesn't. I mean, he's not, he's not the player that Vita Vea is when it comes to actually commanding two guys on him and still being able to put pressure up the middle and then allow the guys on the outside to, to, to rush the quarterback. So, I well, mean, I, think, I, I, I go ahead. I think one of the things that, you know, we talked about on Twitter before this, this podcast, we were kind of drifting into keys to the game, which I think is a great place for us to be here at the nine ten mark. Um, Mahomes is freakish for a couple reasons. One, his arm is just ludicrous. He can throw from all sorts of different angles and he's got ridiculous arm strength. Um, but he's also great with his escapability and everyone's like, Oh, well, his turf toe is going to mean he can't be as mobile. This is much easier. He looked pretty mobile last week, right? Now he's not going to go scramble for a 64 yard touchdown necessarily Lamar Jackson style, but, but he will get outside the pocket and absolutely take your, your lunch money from you. So if JPP and Shaq cannot have to be the supermen that they've been and be disciplined to get upfield as Vea compresses that pocket, right? The thing, and I the way I called it on Twitter is I used to coach basketball too. It's basketball defense. I don't want to see people jumping at Mahomes. If you jump at Mahomes, you're beat. You leave your feet, you're beat. You got to stay disciplined like you said, coach basketball defense. Stare at his freaking belly button and drive through it every time you get a chance because he isn't quite as shifty, but he will make you miss. And I think that you're right. I think that we can stay in, you know, base pressure and Todd can dial that up when he wants to be cute. If he wants to let Devin come out of a can or if he wants to creep someone in, you know, a cornerback off the, off the corner, he can do that, but he's going to have to try and play that chess game. And I'd love to hear Joe's thought about this because when you, when you bring those corners in on those blitzes, what we used to be really good about is rolling coverage behind the blitzer. You set the quarterback up to receive the blitz. If, or if he sees the blitz, he's going to his hot, but you're filling the hot route with someone else. It's a, it's essentially a chess move, right? And if you're wrong and he goes to the other side of the field, you're beat. Right. And someone may lose their job. But uh, but I do think that's me one of the critical pieces there. But, Joe, I don't know. I, I, I make a lot of my shit up as I go. So I could be fully full of shit. No, I mean, I think it's um, I think it depends on how Bowles wants to play this. Right. And um, we can talk about game plans all we want. But that first quarter and first half is is the game plan that Todd Bowles comes up with. The second half is what is the game dictate? Right. What, what do they end up needing to do to be able to win the game? So I think Bowles comes in and seeing how Casey got off to a 17-0 start, Tyreek Hill had 200, what, 13 yards in the first quarter before. Uh, I mean, it's the very first pass was like 34 yards on a wheel route, if I remember correctly. Um, and then he had two other long touchdowns in that first quarter where there was actually good coverage on those two touchdowns. He just, it was one-on-one. And I don't think he wants to leave his guys one-on-one with Tyree Hill. But the same thing goes is you can't leave one-on-one with Travis Kelsey. I love Devin White. Fantastic player. Great playing downhill. Great sideline to sideline. His one soft spot is being in coverage. And he's gotten better as the year has gone on. But that's the one one part of Devin White's game that you can probably attack a little bit, especially with a guy like, like Kelsey, right? So it'll be interesting to see how soft – and I think – I think people are going to get really pissed off watching Todd Bowles defense in the first half, because I don't think they're going to go after Mahomes at all. I think they're going to sit back and they're going to say they're, they're going to play that soft zone that everybody hates and they're going to let their front four do what they do. And they're going to selectively blitz. Now, if they get Mahomes into a, you know, a third and 15 or something like that, then they might call up a blitz and play some zones, zone behind it. 
I just can't see Todd Bowles wanting to be so aggressive that he puts his guys out on an island. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. And when you're talking about rotating coverage, then that means that you've got a single high safety. Yep. Um, and unless you're playing cover three behind that, then then you're you're probably going to expose somebody. And even then, you're still getting one-on-one coverage on the edges. So I don't think they go there yet. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what position – they put themselves in because if they're up 14, nothing, it's a totally different game than being down 14, nothing. And Todd Bowles may get aggressive at that point and say, we've got to create some turnovers to let our offense go. And, and you, you, one of the questions you asked earlier was what changes have you seen in the second half of the season after the bye week And one of the biggest ones is the offense and defensive schemes have played together. They've, they've interwoven what they want to do because Todd Bowles says, if you kick field goals all day, you're not going to beat our offense. So I'm okay with letting you drive 30 yards down the field, kick a 40-yard field goal that's a 50-50 shot of you making it in the first place, but I know you're not going to beat me. And I know that once you get inside the 20, I'm good enough and my defense is good enough to stop you, but that's not going to be good enough to beat Brady. Now, how that plays out with the Chiefs, really interesting to see. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see him being that aggressive in the first half. Cook, you you want to weigh in there? You're afraid to interrupt now because we we said something. No, I, all I, shy. I, I no, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to interrupt. I never am. Will I'm you feel better if you took your shirt off? I like uh, no. I like hearing. I, I like hearing. I'd feel better Joe's, if you didn't. Uh, well, <laughs> sorry. Here it goes. Oh shit! Do it. Yeah, do it. Just kidding. No, no. <laughs> no. I I did it for Derek in the uh, pregame. Uh, I did test the thing earlier. The green room was crazy. Anyway. Yeah, I got a, uh, I got, there's too many screenshots from the other day. I don't need any more out there on the internet. Um, I'm no Katie Upton with these C cups, but anyway, point is, is I, I, I agree with Joe that, you know, Todd, Todd's been for, again, there were a lot of people, Derek's right. A lot of people that were calling for his job, you know, halfway through the season. And there were very frustrating things that, that the defense did at times and, and playing the soft zone coverage when you've got guys that, are better in man coverage, but people think you can just play man coverage 70 snaps a game. I mean, these defensive backs need a break too sometimes and zone gives them that a little bit. I mean, you're asking these guys, particularly against teams that run a lot of vertical routes. Um, you know, it's difficult to, 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 to chase a guy 60 yards down the field or 40 yards down the field, play after play after play, particularly at home in Tampa earlier in the season. So I see why Todd did what he did. Todd likes to see it, it, everybody wants to be able to do, is as much damage with a with a, the least amount of risk as possible. And Todd Bowles did that. And then when he realized in the second half during games this year what didn't work in the first half, he did a masterful job of changing things up and playing a completely different um, uh, defense in the second half. And the Chiefs game is a good example of that. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those things where. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I think you're right, Joe, that fans are probably going to be pulling their hair out and screaming, you know, why aren't we? Um, I say we. I'm saying it as if I'm a fan. I'm not. I'm a journalist, of course. But um, but uh, they're going to they're going to be wondering why the, the Buccaneers aren't, aren't, aren't blitzing a little bit more. But good point too. let them move down the field and tighten up in the red zone. We saw it worked last week against Aaron Rodgers. You know, what I mean, they did move the ball down the field a little bit. But uh, but the Buccaneers defense played tremendous against the best red zone offense as far as touchdown percentages in the NFL last uh, this past season with Green Bay. So um, and the Chiefs are pretty damn good in the red zone, too, just because they have so many weapons. Um, again, I, I hope that the front four gets home. Having those two tackles out, I think it's going to help a little bit. 
but you guys are all right about having Vita Vea there in the middle. He does change things. He was a guy that when he was drafted, I was like, why in the hell are you spending the 12th pick or whatever it was for a run-stuffing interior defensive lineman? I didn't realize the impact he made on the pass rush. That's where I was completely wrong with a guy like Vita Vea. And, and, and we saw what happened when he went out this year, and we saw what happened last week when he was back in there, How what, a, what an impact he has. Again, he's never going to be a 10-sack guy. That's okay. Uh, he's going to help a guy like Shaq Barrett have three sacks against Green Bay and JPP have two against Green Bay. And that was directly a result of having Vita Vea back in the lineup. The, so, uh, the anyway. Baltimore Ravens defense of the heyday was driven almost as much by Sam Adams as any other player. Now, Sam Adams is nowhere near the physical athlete that Vita Vea is, though Sam Adams at 440 yeah. pounds, which is roughly what he was when he played his last two years. I don't care what they put on that sheet. I've been <laughs> next to the man. The fact that he could right. move at all was a goddamn miracle. But the fact that he could command doubles and triples sometimes and then free everyone else up was amazing. Um, and that also lets McClendon and Nunez Rochez get wind. To your point, Mark, it's not just those corners right. and defensive backs. You want those bigs to be able to be fresh when they come in there. They want to sure. be quick. So you get them in the rotation. Things get interesting. Um, with that said, your comment about the red zone is a good one. And one of the points of the week 12 game against the Chiefs was they only scored 27 points on 543 yards. They had three red zone stops against the Chiefs who have a lot yeah. of artillery. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this uh, plays out. And I know that you guys were on for almost an hour 20 now. I don't want to keep people too late. Um, uh, we normally do these predictive MVPs. I made Trevor do it early. I want to switch to Fisher right now and put him on the gun. And like I said, it's rare. Like in the old school rules of the Bucks, what the Buck podcast, it used to be this was only Buccaneers players because we just assumed we were going to win because I am a fan. I'm not a journalist. I'm like the editor-in-chief down in the corner there. Um, so, But you can. Uh, pick a player from the Chiefs or the Bucks, offensive X factor, defensive X factor, and your score prediction, Mr. Fisher. Yeah, I, I actually have more confidence coming into this game than I did against the Packers. Um, and I didn't bring this up earlier on the podcast, but I, I had some some nervousness after the Saints win because I almost felt like this team was that was their Super Bowl. They got their ass beat twice. I saw the same thing happen yeah. against Baltimore. Baltimore had to knock off Tennessee, and then they go and get their ass handed to them by Buffalo. Ohio State needed to knock off Clemson. They got their ass handed to them by Alabama. I was concerned about that going into the Packers game, and this team completely um, played played phenomenal. I um, I like the Bucks this game on offense. I know Trevor went Scotty Miller. I think it's going to be another young wide receiver that's going to make a huge play, and I think that's Tyler Johnson. Ooh. I just have seen him come up with – such a huge catch against New Orleans yep. and he didn't catch the ball last week, but he drew the flag. Right. And they, and sure. Tom Brady was throwing to him on that play on, on a crucial third down. So I think he's going to come up with a huge play. I think where you can attack uh, Kansas city is up the middle, uh, middle of their defense. I don't, I don't think their linebackers are that strong. Um, so I do like Tyler Johnson on offense defense. And I will say this. Now I called my shot already on Twitter, probably a week ago after the Packers game where I said, Levante David is going to have a pick six, but Shaq Barrett is going to cause that. So mm -hmm. I think Shaq is going to have a huge game. Now it's going to be because of what Vita Vea does, yep. but no one gives credit to the fat guy. It's going to be the guy who puts up, <laughs> puts up the numbers. So I, I, I like Shaq Barrett on defense. Um, I like that Levant. I want that Levante David pick six so bad. The guy deserves it. He's been here through everything. If there's one player on this team who deserves it, um, it's Levante David. So I like Shaq on defense and Tyler Johnson on offense. The score is going to be, they're going to keep the, 
the same 30 to 31, 30, 31, 31 bucks, 23 chiefs. Wow. Bucks win, bucks win the big game. I like it. We will rotate down to Joe. Joe, what are your thoughts uh, going in here? I know that you were, t- you were teasing people on Twitter. You're throwing out some great stats some DVOA stuff and, and building a narrative. And I think you were just setting us up to crush our spirits in fandom. What are your thoughts? Man, it's, it's tough because it's kind of like, it's kind of like with the Packers last week. Um, you know, for me, I looked at the game and I said, you know what? I really think we have a great shot at winning this. I think that, um, we have a better chance than probably what most people would give us credit for outside of Bucks Nation, right? Um, and I couldn't decide if I was if I was thinking with my head or my heart. Um, and and after a lot of deliberation, I realized, you know what? I really think we've got this. Whenever I look at it this week, um, it's it's the same thing, except I lean a little bit more towards I think KC is just an absolute monster of a team because they have so many different ways that they can beat you on offense. They have Andy Reid, who is probably the, the best off. And I, I love Kyle, Kyle Shanahan and McVay. Um, and, and pretty much I, I Andy Reid is, is the guy in the NFL in terms of offensive prowess right now. And so it's really hard for me to get past that. But what I will say is I think that um, I don't think they have the defense to stop us. I think that we we can put up 40 points on the Chiefs if we so choose to. The problem is, is the more we put up, the more opportunities they get. So I actually think that we play more of a conservative. We probably play more conservative on both offensive and defensive than, than what most people are going to be prepared for. I think you're going to see a lot of first down runs. It's, it's going to be very similar game plans to New Orleans and Green Bay. A lot of first down runs. We're going to test to see if the run game works, um, whether that's Rojo or Fournette don't really know probably more for net since it's going to be more of an inside run game um, to make sure that we're attacking those linebackers inside. So if, uh, if I'm talking X factor, I, I think um, Fisher hit it nail on the head. I think Vita Vea is the key. Uh, I think Shaq Barrett is the guy that, that he comes out, he comes away with two and a half, three sacks, numerous pressures that cause other problems I think on the back end, who's going to benefit from that actually is going to be uh, Winfield. I actually think he's going to be the smart player that's going to be in position. One of those throws is going to go over because Mahomes is, is trying to do too much under pressure. And I think Winfield is the guy that ends up being the beneficiary of one of those um, interceptions. So I that's like three people in one. So I don't know if I can do that, but I'll you say can. I'll say yeah. I'll say Bea, but Shaq Barrett is Shaq Barrett's the guy. He's the one that uh, I would call out as as the MVP on defense. Um, and then on offense, um, I think everybody's everybody's going with wide receivers because we know that we've got to score points. Ultimately, I think it's the O line and and the running backs that that are able to control the game and keep the defense fresh whenever it comes down to it in the fourth quarter. Because I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. Um, if if we're talking X factor that people are going to see and notice, I think it's Chris Godwin. I don't think the chiefs have an answer for Chris Godwin. Um, He had a pretty big game last time around with the chiefs. They can't afford to not pay attention to Mike Evans. 
Um, Gronk had a big game too, but I think I don't think they're going to be as concerned about Gronk this time around. If if Gronk ends up beating them, they'll probably be okay with that. But I think Godwin is the one that probably tallies, you know, 120, 130 yards receiving and maybe a touchdown or two. So those are going to be mine. Um, man, as far as predictions, I think it's going to be super close. I mean, I think it's going to be. I'm going to say 31-30 bucks. 31-30. 31-30. It's going to be it's going to be one for the ages at home. All right. All right. Cookie. Well, I'm going to go a little differently because you said I can actually choose a, a Chiefs player as the X factor. I think Patrick Mahomes in that foot. I'm just curious. I mean, if he's limited, if he's 70% of Patrick Mahomes, he's still better than 90% of the other quarterbacks in the NFL. But it does limit what he's able to do, uh, particularly when you've got a beat up offensive line. So that's going to play into the Bucks' favor. If he's, you know, if he's if he's a hundred percent or pretty darn close to it, which I don't know because turf toes, as you know, Derek, uh, and as Deion Sanders knows, I remember seeing Deion Sanders after uh, a Monday night game when he was working with NFL Network or something, and he was standing on the sideline, and and we were down there waiting to go in the locker room, and he didn't have his shoes on. And uh, the guy doesn't wear shoes. I mean, his feet are just mangled up, man. His toes are a mess. I mean, they're, that's, a, that's a tough thing that, to have happen to you, right? And as a quarterback, it's even uh, it's got to be even more miserable for a guy that like Patrick Mahomes who uses his feet a lot and uh, improvises. Uh, so, anyway, I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes is kind of got to be that X factor. I still think the Buccaneers win the football game. Defensively, Man, uh, it's, you know, Sean Murphy Bunting's been on a run. I, I like the idea of Winfield being an impact player back there. Levante David would make for just a great story. But I'm going to go with Devin White. I think Devin White just helped set the tone for this defense. And, um, you know, I think I think he's going to be crucial in stopping the ability for the Chiefs, who have three really good running backs themselves. They can run the football if they wanted to. And if Patrick Mahomes is limited, I think they may try and do that a little bit. Um, so I'm going to go Devin White there. Uh, as far as the score goes, I think it's going to be a little bit more low scoring because I think well, I agree with what Joe said. I think the Buccaneers are going to try and limit the opportunities Patrick Mahomes has as they saw from the first game what a quick strike guy he can be um, and, and let him move down the field a little bit, tighten up in the red zone. But I think it's going to be uh, – I'm going to go 28-27, the Buccaneers. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, certainly. Uh, if it's not a close game, <laughs> I would – I would tend to pick the Chiefs to blow the Buccaneers out more than the Buccaneers to blow the Chiefs out, if that makes any sense. But I think, I think it's just Tampa Bay. I don't use the word team of destiny, but things have just fell into place for this team. And uh, what a great, great ending to a, a crazy year and a crazy season for the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl in their home stadium, being the first team to play there, but also to cap it off with a, with a win and be the first team uh, to, to ever win a Super Bowl in a home stadium as well. So that's what I got for you guys. I'm going to switch things up a little bit and throw a little bit of data out there as well. Um, the Bucks are 11-0 when they score 30 points. Um, so if we can get to 30, that's a, a harbinger of good things to come. The other piece that I saw in an article from – let me give proper attribution if I can. Scott Kazmar. Um, I don't see the website on his – looks like NFL Sports – or SBR. Sorry. I'll get the correct attribution in the article. Teams are three and forty-one when they fail to hold the ball for at least thirty-five minutes against the Chiefs. Three and forty-one. Now we used to talk about this all the time, right? And people used to get so mad at me because I talked about time of possession. Because time of possession is defense, right? If you can hold the ball, that other quarterback can't score on you. It's really tough to score from the sideline, right? Um, 
I'm going to go on the offensive side with a healthy Rojo as I hope he's going to be healthy. That quad injury was never quite back, but two weeks of cryo, I'm hoping his quad feels better. I, I vacillated back and forth between him and playoff Lenny. I like what Fournette's doing for us. I really do. I just don't know that he has enough juice to have the kind of game that one Mike Pittman had for us so many years ago when no one expected the Bucks run game to be a difference maker in the Super Bowl against the Oakland Raiders. On the defensive side of the ball, I love the Devin White pick, and I could certainly see him being a, a big X factor here. But I got to say, and someone in the chat room mentioned it too, the homecoming of JPP to his home stomping ground in Tampa, he is one of those savvy vets who knows how to fuck with somebody. Right, He's going to get upfield. He's the guy who can get into Patrick's head. He can bait him into making mistakes. And somehow with half a freaking hand, he can still get more interceptions than most cornerbacks. So I think defensively, this is a gentleman who's going to make a difference. And I think if we all talk about how much Brady wants to win, you can see it. It oozes from his persona how much Brady wants to win. Having seen JPP, I think he's a solid 1A in that, that list of who wants yeah. to win. Um, and, I, and I'll ride with that kind of attitude. I see it a, a 34 to 24 bucks victory with a late defensive score at the end as the Chiefs are coming down to try and make it a game. Uh, and I do think we get that dagger moment. And I don't know that you're going to be able to contain Tampa. Right? I really don't. And, and I don't know that I can be bad. Right? This is a town that's been just kicked in the teeth in sports for so yeah. long. And I, I am, I'm here for it. I'm here for every fucking bit of it. So um, I want to I thank you guys for joining me tonight. I tried to keep it to an hour 30. I'm at 132. Not bad for a hack fan. Um, but, uh, but I also want to give you guys a chance to, to, to wrap up however you would like to uh, with the show. I'm going to start with, uh, with Joe, actually, because this is the first time I've actually seen Joe. Right? I've talked to him for years on Twitter. I didn't even know in the green room before the show, for those of you who don't know, as NFLosophy, some people don't even know that this is who NFLosophy is. I didn't know that we use his name anymore. Right? I wasn't sure what was going on. So, Joe, you get to you get to sign off however you want to, my friend. I really do appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, there's probably a lot of people that have never actually seen me before. Uh, I still get questions of like, hey, are you ever going to tell people who you are? And like, <laughs> we've been there for a, a while now. You know, I think um, I think it's awesome. You know, take it in, enjoy it as a fan. Uh, this rarely happens, right? It's been a long time since we've been here. Um, I think everybody said it is the dominoes have to fall just right. You don't just get here just by being a good team. You can help yourself in probabilities of getting there, but things have to kind of just fall your way in certain situations. I mean, you can look at the last couple of games and, you know, a couple turnovers don't go our way and, and all of a sudden we're sitting at home watching somebody else. So enjoy it. Have a good time. Um, you know, I, I would be remiss not to mention, you know, I think, I think we have to be careful because Mahomes is Mahomes is a complete player. Mahomes, his to me probably one of the smartest quarterbacks that we have in the NFL today. Um, we get lost and in, in, in enamored in his ability to do things that that physically just shouldn't be possible, right? That that we've only seen Aaron Rodgers do, you know, in previous games. And um, you know, there's his ability to process and to see things that he that he, there's no no other quarterback would see, and then to be able to position himself to to you know throw sidearm and no look and some of it's for fun and some of it is is legitimate and I think that um, he's for us the stopping him is the key hit him and and Andy Reid together are just absolute monsters and that is a beast of a machine to stop so. To me, the, the MVP has to be Todd Bowles in this game to be able to figure out how do you 
not just stop him, but even just slow him down a little bit to let Tom Brady and, and that offense do what they do. And um, don't be scared, right? Brady, Brady's going to go after some, some, uh, some shots that a lot of fans aren't going to like. And to your point, Derek, doing the boring thing sometimes is the right thing. And if we can run the ball and grind the clock out, and if we can get four or five yards of carry all night, Brady shouldn't have to throw but 15 times. I don't think that that's the case. I don't. Our offensive line has been phenomenal in pass blocking. They've been decent in run blocking. Um, our running backs still tend to run directly into the back of their offensive linemen at times for some god-awful reason. I have no idea. Uh, the one thing I will say is I wish Fournette would bounce it to the edge more often because whenever he does that, he tends to gain 15, 20 yards at a time. So um, a lot of things can go a lot of different ways. Really excited to do this. Excited to share this um, with uh, Tampa Bay fans for the first time. Excellent. Excellent. That's a good point about Leonard. I don't think anyone expects it's like the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects Leonard Fournette to bounce it outside. Right. Okay. And when he does, then they're like, holy shit, he bounced it outside. And then he throws the, the, the spins and the other stuff on you. So, no, it's, it's a good point. Um, let's go to uh, Fisher next. Yeah, uh, my last thoughts about the game, too. And I think it's, it's, it's going to be billed as Brady versus Mahomes. But in all reality, this is Mahomes versus Todd Bowles. Or it's, if you want to take it a step further, it's Andy Reid versus Todd Bowles. And that's where I think this game is won or lost. Um, is that is that matchup and what the defense can do against again? I I will say it. I think he's the best quarterback in the league. Um, Derek, you know how I feel about you. I your voice and what I listened to from Bucks content so many years ago and listened to it for many years. And you know you had me on your show many times. I'd make the drive out there. We go and do events and roundtables, and um, I appreciate that. When when I started doing the podcast thing, there was only a couple of us fans and the media wasn't doing it either. Right. And it, Mark, you were, you guys weren't doing it. And I think nope, nope. Derek told y'all how many times, like y'all got it, like, and now it's, now there's a 250 million bucks podcast right, or right. some, <laughs> some type of, 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 of content that's out there for fans. And I think it's, it, I've, I've been trying to rack my brain because when I did it, it was so hard. This team sucked so bad. It, like my first year at two and 14 and uh, just, it was th three head coaches and it, it, Oh my God. It, it was so hard every week to produce content about this football team. Cause you're like, what else can you say about a team that only won two games? So, you know, and we try to keep it as objective and as positive as possible, but I, it has been, and Trevor said this earlier, and I know Scott's told him, told him this many times. When I would drive from Orlando to Hands, when I would drive from Gainesville, when I would drive the Super Bowl year I lived down in, in Plantation, Florida, it, it, a lot of those years where I had the season tickets, exactly what Trevor said. I, we were going to win the game. Defense was going to show up. Warren Sapp was going to dance. They were going to play Welcome to the Juggle, and Simeon Rice is going to sit there and strum the guitar. It, it's just what was the offense going to do that day, right? And – they, I remember going to games early on and when we were in the NFC Central, Chicago Bear fans, Packer fans, and I was like, God, man, this is just, I'm coming and I'm sitting at home games and there's more of you that, where I sat in the end zone than there are of us and they're talking shit. And that Super Bowl win for me was special because I sat through that. And I think no matter if you jumped on this year because you like Tom Brady 
those of you who have been fans for the many years, and it's been hard to root for this team. I have personal feelings and things that have happened to me at the stadium and with the organization. And Derek, I know you've experienced some things too, because you were developing content and you did more than that. You built this community and you were doing charity things. And I know some of the things personally, we've had the conversations about how you felt about this organization. So enjoy this ride. It's crazy for me to say this to content creators and fans. Cause I'm just like, this came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting this, but we've been shit on for so long. It's been such a bad team organization, etc. Enjoy this ride. And it's special. It really is. You do not know how long it will take for you to get here again. So just enjoy it regardless of the outcome. Of course, I want Tampa to win. I think they will win the game. But this is this has been a crazy and it's just a weird year, right? 2020 was a weird year. It continues on. It's just odd. So enjoy this time for the many years that you've suffered as a fan. Um, this is special. It really is. Uh, it, it's so special that Derek came out and did this for you all. <laughs> and, and I appreciate you doing this when you DM'd me, Derek. And I said, absolutely. Let's do this. Like I, I typically I even turned down another interview because like, no, I got to do Derek's first because, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like, come on. So um, I have no plugs. I'm at BBB Chris. If you want to follow me on the Twitter, if you're in uh, Orlando area, go to Tactical Brewing Company uh, and let them know that Fisher sent you and they'll hook you up. They're nice anyway, but uh, they're right in Baldwin Park, Winter Park area. Uh, my favorite brewery in the state of Florida. So awesome. Let them know that I sent you and they'll Sweet. take care of you. Thank you, Derek, Chris. so much. And thank you, Mark. Thank you, Joe and Trevor, who was here before. Of course, Chris, just so you know, uh, Trev sent a message and said, make sure that everybody knows that uh, Chris was first in on Jensen and that he changed the line. Oh, he everybody knows that. Everybody <laughs> knows he's he's in love with Ryan Jensen. And I know. And, uh, and the kids. I mean, it's Pat Gerald McCoy is not my favorite box player. It's been Ryan Jensen for how it's many true. years? And I'm a yeah. Pat Murray guy, but I'm still <laughs> Ryan Jensen. <laughs> But you, Derek, you, I think Derek, you know, the moment and I, I'm trying to think of the game. It was Baltimore or someone, and I'm not going to call out who our center was at the time, but Josh McCown was getting just fucking destroyed and on his ass. Yep. And I'm like, can we get someone on this line? And then they just would like, watch him, and like, sorry, Josh, like, you know, right. like, can we just get an enforcer on this line? Yeah. Like, we had a little been, bit of Joe Holly, but he was only 127 pounds. So you could only do right, so much. Exactly. And this is so, pretty yeah. him too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Evan so. Dietrich Smith. Yeah. EDS. I man. wasn't going to say it or Evan Smith now, whatever his name is, but yeah, he's like yeah, so much Mark Cat. that I was like, can we get Matt Patchen? Like Matt Patchen probably won't do any better, <laughs> but at least he's going to beat your ass. If he touch his quarterback, that's what exactly. I wanted. Yeah. All right, no, cookie, I, cookie I, wrap it. us up. Like only you can wrap us up, brother. Oh, uh, don't put any pressure on me. First of all, uh, you're the original, Derek. You are the reason that um, a lot of people are, are doing this podcast thing. Sometimes I want to curse you for that because there's so many of them out there. But in all seriousness, I mean, you were uh, an inspiration to us at Pewter Report, something that I try to convince Scott we needed to do um, early on. And after I got involved with you and, and joined you, uh, so many of those Thursday nights at your compound in, uh, in Valrico, <laughs> and um and, and uh, i miss miss seeing the boys miss seeing the wife miss seeing the dogs uh miss seeing you yelling at the dog uh, miss seeing the toilet paper destroyed when we would lock him out of the room and we would come back from the podcast and be an entire portal of toilet paper destroyed because i left the bathroom door open and derek would yell at me for that always professional so anyway always yeah 
we had we had such a good time, man. And I'm glad you did this because uh, you you have been a huge inspiration. And I've as I used to always say when I would do the podcast, you know, the podcasts and all are great, but what you helped inspire as far as the community things go, those things are are more important. Um, I've been involved with with you guys over the years. Um, you do the things. And, and, and Cheryl and, and, and your guys, um, I, I know you're not as involved now as you, as you have been, but, um, but again, that's something that you started and inspired a lot of people. And, uh, and, and that's what's impressed me the most about you. You're just a, you're just a good human, man. You're just a good person. And the world needs more Derek Fournier's out there. Um, not just for football content, but just, uh, just in general. So anyway, I just want to thank you for being an inspiration to, uh, to me and in uh, Pewter Report, and uh, I hope this isn't the last one that you ever do. If we got to make the Buccaneers go to the Super Bowl again next year to pull you out of retirement, let's do that. Uh, but the door is always open at pewterreport.com for you to join us, Chris, Joe. Um, hey, hey, look, if we're doing four a week uh, for the next, you know, until <laughs> football season starts again, I might be calling you guys on a regular basis. But uh, we'll definitely need some guests and some help because all you guys are tremendous. Chris, you're another guy that, that helped me out tremendously when we first started. I didn't know anything about podcasting. I didn't know anything about microphones and mixing boards. And, and, and I learned so much watching Derek. Uh, so, again, Peter Reports podcast would not be anywhere near what it is today uh, without, without you, Derek, and, and even you as well, Chris. So thank you for that. That's all I really got to say. One more other thing I want to say uh, briefly um as 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 you guys were saying for the long-suffering fans um you know i i remember the very first football game i sat down with my dad when i was seven we were late december sunday a late game and and the buccaneers were playing the saints and they won 33 to 14 and and it was the very first game they ever won and the first game i watched and and i thought to myself man, these guys are good. They're going to be really good. This, this is cool. I'm going to follow this football team. And, uh, and then of course, a couple of years later, then the NFC championship game. And, and, uh, and then they went on that 17 year run where they were God awful. Um, you know, I was spoiled initially. We were spoiled in 2002 because we thought that might continue. Chris is right. You don't know when this is going to come back. So soak it in Buccaneer fans, soak every minute of it up uh, because it ain't easy to get here, man. Uh, but you guys deserve it. The fans deserve it because they've stuck it, uh, stuck with this team through the thick and thin, and and uh, and it's been a lot more thin than thick um, over the last you know 12, 14 years anyway. So uh, th- this game is for you guys, and I hope the Buccaneers can come through and, and win for for the fans out there, the long suffering fans. That's all I want, uh, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, very very kind words. Uh, the quote that got thrown in the chat room was your quote about the world needs more Derek Fournier. Listen, I. I have been surrounded by amazing people like you guys and Cheryl and Matt and Chris and the evil twins and, and stuck. And these folks that you meet over time, it, we always said it was time, talent, treasure. And depending on what phase of life you're in, you may be able to give a different amount of each of those. Usually you can find time or you can find a talent or you can like write a check, whatever, but make a difference and make those connections. And you see things like, you know, I was kind of hoping for Buffalo to make it in here. Um, you know, cause I have a dear friend from Buffalo who got a chance to go on the draft stage who lost to cancer. Right. So you, you have these friends you make across the league and you don't realize you have family in 31 other cities. And, and I won't belabor this point cause I know we're getting a little bit sappy here at the end, but I've been hammering this, this entire playoff run, not the normal pounding the chest, go bucks, screaming and ran, which I love. And I love, we got a lot of people out there doing that now, but every minute we have 60 minutes of football left 60 barring a freakish overtime, right? Enjoy every one of them. Every one of them counts. I don't give a shit if we're down 17 to nothing or up 17 to nothing after 15 of them because there's 45 more, right? 
And then after this year, we don't get more for another off season. So uh, it's been a dream season and it's been a great run uh, getting to meet folks like you. My dad would have loved the fact that I got to meet people that are real media folks and worked in the front office and all sorts of cool shit that I, I never thought I'd do. So to you folks out there listening live, thanks for tuning in uh, this evening to the sort of janky technical version. I know it probably made Fisher's skin crawl because he's a more technical guy when it comes to podcasting than I am now, um, but appreciate it. And we did have a request. Um, when the Bucks win the Super Bowl, um, we will do one final uh, What the Buck podcast unless they make it to another Super Bowl. And then, Cook, you can probably convince me of some banana pudding to do something else then. So yes. uh, for Cookie, for NFL Osby Joe Bustle, for Chris Fisher at BBP, Chris, and for Trevor Sykema, who is thankfully in Carolina, no more to bring the dark shroud of defeat and sadness over the city of Tampa Bay. Thank you, Alyssa, for dragging him out of our beautiful city. I am Derek Fournier, old school, and we will see you after the Super Bowl. Go Bucks. Tampa, Tampa, Tampa.